From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. Today our topic is the coronavirus, and joining me by telephone from the Bronx, New York, is Father Tony Mensah, who is a VA chaplain at the James J. Peters VA Medical Center. Father Mensah, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. And uh, so, Father, tell me, uh, what is the situation right now there at the uh, uh, James J. Peters VA Medical Center in the Bronx? How many uh, coronavirus uh, cases, uh, COVID-19 cases, have you seen? Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, We have a lot not to mention or to put uh, a number to it, but uh, suffice it to say that uh, we have at least about 30 deaths. Oh, my goodness. 30? 30 30 deaths. 30 deaths. 3-0. And that's at just only, that's at the Peters VA Medical Center in the Bronx alone. Yes. Now, uh, the reports have shown that uh, as of... uh, uh, we're in the third week of April here. Uh, there have been over 240 deaths of uh, COVID-19 in VA medical centers nationwide. And you've had uh, about 30 there. So, uh, Father, tell me, what is what has your life been like the last uh, month to six weeks? Very difficult to say. And more so because of the family members who cannot visit their loved ones who are actually dying to say goodbye. In fact, one COVID patient's lament says it all. No visitor can come to me. No flowers will pass my door. For a virus has come for us. That makes our chest, throat, and head sore. Just yesterday, I was called to see a patient, a COVID patient, who was actually gasping for air. He wasn't Catholic. He was a Jewish patient. And I have been giving reflections every morning at our general conferences every day. And I always leave them with these words a spirit of fear, but rather one of courage. We are in this together. We are praying for you. And yet when I went there to see this patient, I couldn't practice what I had been preaching. I was afraid. It took the courage of a nurse to help me to put on all the PPE put on the face marks and all what I need to do. And she actually offered to go into the room with me. And this brave nurse took out her phone and called the family member of the patient so that he could also be in the loop. This is just an apt description of what we are going through. 
and we call family members to speak with them, and their lament is the fact that they are not able to come and see, talk to, let alone touch their loved ones who are dying. Mm-hmm. Not to talk about our nurses and the healthcare workers on the front line who are visibly afraid coming to work each day. Wow. When you give these talks in the morning, is that uh, in a chapel there at the VA, or is it over a PA address system, or what? A morning briefing for the whole hospital is uh, is like uh, giving us a report, and it's, it comprises everybody in the VA hospital, all the units and the management, so... We just, it's like a briefing. Every day we begin with that kind of briefing, and chaplain is on the call. And so when it comes to my turn, I tell them it's, it depends on the day. We take it day by day. I tell them what we are doing and uh, how many staff members we have, and if anybody needs any support, we are available to them to call us. And tell me a little bit about the interactions you've had with some of the COVID-19 patients. Uh, The COVID-19 patients, actually, those that we have are very sick. And so some of the nurses would advise us not to enter the room. And so for our intervention, sometimes we stand outside the door and say a prayer or something. Actually, as much as possible, the frontline workers, the nurses themselves, need help as much as uh, the the patients. Are you able to bring them the Eucharist or administer the uh, anointing of the sick? So far, I have not administered uh, the Eucharist or the anointing of the sick to any of them. Many who have called us are not Catholics. And those Catholics who actually needed our visits actually pass away before we get there. Wow. What about the families, Father? Do you uh, have a chance to talk to the families? Uh, They are actually... After collaborating with the Suicide Prevention Office and the Decedent Office, and so uh, we called the family to provide pastoral care and bereavement support. Any family you speak to would hang on and on and on. It never ends. 
And our intervention is not what we have to say to them because it can change anything. But how much of what they have to say can we listen? I see. What about the staff, the doctors and nurses? Uh, how are they holding up? They are also hard hurt. We get statistics about how many of the nurses are tested, how many are positive, and how many are awaiting results. In the CLC, which is the Community Living Center, that is the equivalent of a nursing home in the VA, uh, we have so many nurses who are calling in sick. Some have tested positive. And so I have assigned a full-time chaplain to the CLC unit. Each morning, he joins on their daily header and provides some kind of inspiration and support for them. He meets, he makes himself available so that nurses can come to, to him and uh, just vent. So it has become a standard practice where he meets people, at least 10 of them in the morning, who will come and get some inspiration before they begin their daily work. Many of the staff there are testing positive. And so there's a lot of fear. And this is a long-term uh, unit where people stay there, and that becomes their home. Now their families cannot visit them anymore. And so the nurses are stuck with them. And some of them are positive. And so because of the positive uh, uh, evaluation, they need a lot of support. And so this chaplain makes himself available to them. In the morning, he joins the Adeli hurdle and actually leaves them with some words of inspiration, and he makes himself available as much as possible. Uh, you are the senior head chaplain there? Yes. I, we're talking to Father Tony Mensah, the head chaplain at James J. Peters VA Medical Center in the Bronx. Father Mensah, how are you holding up? Uh, I am holding on by the grace of God. The mayor's office called me and interviewed me and asked me the same question. And actually, I left them with this quote from Jehad Bishadam, the Jesuit priest from France, who said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And therefore, much as we are afraid, we are hanging in there because we are not doing this by ourselves. We have the power of God behind us and the defiant power of our human spirit, and we are all in this together. 
Father Mensah, how long have you been a VA chaplain? Over 10 years, right? Yes. And I was yeah, I was endorsed by the Archdiocese for the military services in 2009. And my first uh, VA assignment was in Des Moines, Iowa. And I transferred to the Bronx in 2014, uh, 2013. And I became the chief chaplain in 2014 until now. And how does this experience with COVID-19 compare with all your previous experience, your 11 years in the VA? There is nothing compared to this. This is a difficult and different era. A pandemic passed through the blindness of racial arrogance, which confronts us with a world given over to desperation, fear, and anxiety. This wasn't the case when I started my VA chaplaincy experience. Can you describe to us the day-to-day activity that's going on there at the VA Medical Center in the Bronx? Is it a constant stream of incoming ambulances, or paint the picture for us? Uh, We have a very big building. And there is only one entrance to the building. Now, in front of the building, they, uh, the police have set a tent. And anybody coming in will have to be screened by answering a few questions. And if you did answer yes to any of them, if you are a veteran, you will be turned to the uh, one of the uh, the tent for screening and testing. If you are uh, an employee, you have a place that they will direct you for testing. And then you are given a face mask to wear, which you have to wear throughout the building. So every, uh, every, everyone who comes and goes has to wear a face mask. Exactly. And then we don't have the ambulances coming in, actually, uh, because when you are inside, you hardly know what's going on outside. All we know is that our mug is full, and now they have to improvise and bring uh, uh, another improvised and makeshift one. And we only get these statistics during the conference calls in the morning and when we go around to visit. And this is a teaching a medical center and there is a research building here and we are affiliated to Mount Sinai Medical School and so a lot goes on in the Bronx VA. How many COVID-19 patients are being treated there right now. Do you know, roughly? Uh, Roughly, I have to check. But the last time I checked, that was yesterday. Uh, More than 100 that I read. And are, are most of those in intensive care? No, 
Now we have had to make room on other units just to sure that we can treat people. The whole of intensive care, that will, that will be 20 birds are all four, and everyone there is a COVID patient. Wow. Now, on the med surge, which is 8B, almost everyone in med surge is COVID patient. Now they have cleared 7B in order to make room for non-COVID patients. And that also is increasingly becoming a COVID uh, flaw. And these are wards you're talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Well, uh, we keep hearing that uh, those most vulnerable to uh, developing COVID-19 from the coronavirus are those with underlying health conditions. Are there any underlying health conditions that affect veterans more than the general population that you know of? The veterans, uh, compared to the general population, are lucky because uh, we seem to get the equipment that we need to protect ourselves to work. And because this is exclusively a, a hospital for veterans, we are able to contain the flow, and visitors have been actually uh, advised not to come in, and we get 100% compliance. So working in the VA is at least there is a kind of a, a room to breathe than the other uh, the other. Places. When did things start to turn bad, Father? That was, I think, the beginning of March. At the beginning of March, that was 2nd March, I was then the subject matter, the Catholic subject matter aspect of the Archdiocese for the military services and the liaison. And so I attended the meeting of the Presbyterian Council on 2nd March in Washington. That wasn't the case. We had not heard of anything yet. So everything started after that, after that week. Uh, what I would say is that. Uh, COVID has actually taught us a lesson. And as human beings, our responsibility is the same as our responsibility as Christians. And if all of us were to live in accordance with human responsibility, all of us would be perfect Christians. At least now, people are having a change in their attitude. Here we see people doing what they have never done before, through social distancing, and then practicing personal hygiene, and then seeing the needs and recognizing the needs of other people and responding to it. That is what we were created for, 
But for some reason, we are not practicing this. Now, unfortunately, this pandemic is helping us to face our reality. And this is where the change for the better will come from. And we pray that this will be over soon. So there is a silver lining. How has COVID-19 affected your work schedule? Uh, Do you uh, still uh, celebrate the Mass daily? Yes, we have a a CCTV that we broadcast to to the patient's rooms. So we maintain our daily Mass so that people can turn on the TV and watch it throughout the week, except Saturdays and uh, some Fridays where you don't have the staff. And so that is ongoing. We used to have a memorial service hospital-wide for people who have died within a certain period of time, so we invite families to come. The last one, last year, we had 200 people attending. We were expecting to have the next one in May, but COVID has changed it. We also have a program where we have memorial service once a year for employees who have died. And that usually comes during May. That is also on hold. But we hope to resume this as soon as COVID is over. And then also we have set up a chaplain-led spiritual support line that people can call in at the beginning of their shift, at 12 o'clock lunchtime, between 12 and 1, and then the afternoon shift, so that people can call in and pray with us. And this is led by the chaplain. What's your impression? Is it getting better or worse? Are there more COVID-19 patients coming in, or has it uh, stabilized? What's the situation? In our uh, facility, testing is now going on uh, very uh, aggressively. And therefore, so far, the situation seems to have stabilized with regards to patients, a COVID patient. But nobody knows tomorrow. And so... It all seems very sad, Father, that the uh, victims are not able to receive the sacraments uh, or visits from their families. Their families are cut off from their loved ones who are suffering. Uh, as a chaplain, how do you how do you deal with these 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 issues? Uh, we have a directive uh, from the archdiocese for the military services about how to conduct uh, sacramental uh, interventions and so on. And we believe in the power of prayer by utilizing, uh, if if somebody cannot receive it physically, at least we can provide spiritual communion to them. And so the indulgence, that they need is 
actually put to good use here. That is so far what we can do. Man, the, a man proposes, but God disposes. And as Mother Teresa said, we are not called to succeed. We are called to be faithful. And it's tough to be faithful during these times. And uh, I know I uh, share the views of uh, our listeners as well as especially the veterans who are being treated and saying how much we appreciate your presence and your prayers. How much longer can you hold out, Father? We do, we take it one day at a time, and when we are not well, we stay home. We are following all the recommendations, the CDC recommendations, and as we take care of people, we are also taking care of ourselves. So we realize that these are unprecedented times. Right. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone else, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hard to know what to say, Father. It's been a it's been a difficult uh, six weeks for all of us, yeah. but we certainly appreciate uh, the service you provide, and uh, uh, we pray for you and. Uh, just know that uh, you're in our prayers and that we uh, we're certainly appreciative for your service and and, uh, putting yourself out there on the line to take care of our veterans. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say in parting and any other insight you can share with us before we go? We have just a couple of minutes left. Well, I would like to reiterate uh, a quote from uh, Philip Paradowski uh, from the National Association of Catholic Chaplains, who wrote in Holy Week and said a toll on the human spirit due to the coronavirus has been unimaginable. And the fact that some of us are ministering to COVID-19 patients and their families in new and creative ways. We appreciate your prayers and we, with God's help, we can go far and we will put this time behind us. Because in the oft-quoted words of Cardinal Newman, to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. This too will pass. Father Tony Mensah, the uh, chief chaplain at the James J. Peters VA Medical Center in the Bronx, joining us to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic and how the uh, patients are doing there and the medical staff and the chaplains who are working so hard to to deal with this uh, terrible disease and hopes that uh, one day soon it will be beyond us.
Uh, Father Mensah, thank you so much for talking to me. And thank you for having me.